0: running for the touchdown jackpot baby josh
1: jacobs
2: welcome to the jt the brick show always exciting to play at home
1: we all want to play at home and this is an unbelievable venue to play at it's time for the jt the brick show on a personal level for me i, I just we, we can't wait to get to the game day right we can't wait to get on the grass
2: jt the brick cars up underneath james gonna fire quickly jackpot baby touchdown Raiders on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Here's your host JT the Brick
3: out of the gate. hour number two of the show, Harry Ruiz will join us coming up the Latino voice of the Raiders. I hope everybody had a tremendous Christmas holiday and you're still celebrating ready for the new year as the Raiders beat the Broncos and are eight and seven on the year. This hour brought to you by Michael E. Minden diamond jewelers, Saw Michael at the game. He came up to me at the torch. Great to see him. I stepped up. I went to Fashion Show Mall. I got my wife in under, under, and on time. I got my wife what she needed for the Christmas holiday, courtesy of Michael E. Minden Diamond Jewelers, my go-to jeweler in town. Wife was thrilled on Christmas Day. Great deal. Tremendous service, as always. And I'm telling you, we're talking about a family-owned business for generations and the service is incredible if you need an engagement ring a diamond pendant a watch whatever you need i'm telling you michael should throw me one of those rolexes after i delivered that win on the pregame show as we were waving from the torch there so go to michael E. Minden diamond jewelers it's right there in the fashion show mall park under sacks go right up the elevator and see the glorious selection of great jewelry that he has available. I had a really pleasant experience there, as always. Thank you, Michael. Thanks to everybody who supports all of our clients here, all of our partners here at Lotus Broadcasting. All right, my teammate, Harry Ruiz, the Latino voice of the Silver and Black. Harry, we exchanged pleasantries at the tailgate. Let's begin by raiding the tailgate over in J-Lot and down the alley there. Very impressive as families came together with holiday spirit.
4: Absolutely. Hi, JT. Great talking to you again. Absolutely. And this tailgate, what I liked is that almost everybody was rocking silver and black. There weren't a lot of Broncos fans out there. Almost all of them went directly inside, so it was almost all Raider Nation family. I'll give it a 9 out of 10 on this Sunday evening. Of course, we would love to see more power in numbers increasing from those two rows they got right now, but it was popping yesterday.
3: I have no idea why there's only two rows out there should be eight rows i mean the raider nation and the black hole are exploding at the black uh, back of j lot i loved it a lot and you pointed out to me that young family that was taken care of that little boy who was dressed up in black hole gear black hole gave him a cap and they gave him a shirt and a jacket and everything and i bumped into him at the pregame at the torch that was special
4: absolutely and coincidentally his last name is ruiz we're not family-related by blood, but we're Raider Nation. Robert Robert Ruiz, shout-out to him. He's from Fresno, I think. And I bumped into them right as I was walking out towards the tailgate, and I was like, wait, I recognize their, your kids. And they posted a video t- of their kids on Twitter because that was their Christmas gift. So they were able to go see the Raiders and see them win. The Black Hole, shout-out to Cisco, who took care of them and got them Gorilla Rilla shirts, Black Hole hats. They were... Super excited about that, and it was a great first game for them. So what they were now officially welcome to the Raider Nation by going to their first game.
3: Yeah, absolutely. You got to start off at a tailgate if you're going to go into any Raider game, and that was really cool. I had a great time. Harry Ruiz is our guest. Let's talk about the game. Another slow start. The Rendroad touchdown was. Beautiful. I compared it to Edwards and Cleveland the week before. Just pinpoint accuracy by Derek Carr throwing it into the end zone instead of short of the end zone. But the rest of that first half was a nightmare. The Carr interception, the Jacobs fumble, They were fortunate that that game didn't get out of hand early and they were in the game in the second half.
4: Absolutely, JT. And it was all about this defense. It was incredible. We had talked about it in the past that it was a bend, don't break defense. Yesterday... It was amazing the way they stopped the Denver Broncos running game. Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon, each one has over 750 yards rushing. They were completely stopped yesterday by the Raiders defensive line. Great job by all the unit. Darius Philon, he did a great job being there in place of Jonathan Hankins, who was out with an injury max crosby incredible game by him showing the world why he's a pro bowler and they were able to give this team a little bit more space and a margin of error that despite having three turnovers they were able to get this win i think it's just the second time since 2000 that the raiders have a win despite having a turnover margin of minus three so the offense yeah. struggled, but the defense got the job done. And, JT, if you take out those two the two minutes after the two minutes warning in, in the second quarter, the Broncos scored a total of three points in 58 minutes.
3: Yeah, they really struggled getting it going. And, you know, I thought Drew Locke was going to take more chances outside the pocket, but what I loved what happened was by stuffing the box and Max Crosby and Yannick setting the edge – There wasn't really a way for Locke to roll right or left and have the freedom to set his feet and make a throw across his body to Jerry Judy or someone else there. So the pass rush was relentless. But, Harry, you saw it calling the game from the booth. Talk about the linebackers in this game. I like this group of linebackers now the rest of the way. Perryman back a pro bowler. Littleton playing for his future if he's going to be here. And then, depending on what we see from Diablo, went healthy. And K.J. Wright's played in... More big games than anybody, I'm talking anybody on that Raider offense, or defense, including Deshaun Jackson. K.J. Wright's got to be a leader in these final games.
4: Absolutely, and I loved his interview that you did with him last week. It was it was great, and that's the leader that we need in that unit. But also, Perryman has also been a leader for this team. Mm-hmm. You hear Max Crosby giving him a lot of praise, both for what he does on the field and off the field. So I like what I see from this linebacker course, that if we go back to September, right before the home opener, that unit was completely deflated with all the injuries. And now it's one of the fortes of this team. And Divine Diablo had that one play where it was like his welcome to the NFL, where he got burned against Jerry Judy. But besides that, he has had another solid game against the this uh, Broncos team that Raider Nation doesn't like them. And Raider Nation is happy that for the second year in a row, they were able to defeat them.
3: Harry, it's tough to evaluate this car game because he was 20-25, 80%, 80% on 201 yards. But, you know, the, the, the fumbles and the interceptions were very costly at that time, but then he played injured, came back and led the team to a victory. How do you grade Derek Carr in a game like this? Back-to-back games in Cleveland and at home against Denver – That his interception late in Cleveland could have been the reason they lost. His interception and fumbles in this game could have been the reason, and he wouldn't allow it. And he came out and showed grit down the stretch to win these games.
4: Yeah, he got bailed out by the defense in both games, but at the same time, that's the kind of quarterback that you want. It's a series-by-series situation. You don't. Take what happened in the last series or game into mind of what you're going to do next. It's like, all right, we turned the ball over. Now let's go get points. Let's make something happen in this offensive series. So in this drive, the Raiders did the job that needed to get done. A win by 30 points is the same as a win by four points like yesterday. So just get that win, rack it up. You're now back at the spot that you were at last year with eight wins. This team has an opportunity to keep fighting for their lives, and that's what they needed, to keep that opportunity, to keep going to the playoffs. And right now, how the things are shaking up, it looks like two wins will get them in.
3: Yeah, it does look like that. One game at a time, Harry Ruiz, the Latino voice of the silver and black. I I was surprised to see the impact that Desmond Trufant had in that game. I thought that he would be coming in and out, subbing particular packages there in a nickel. I don't know exactly how much he was going to play He got a tremendous amount of snaps, made great plays, was a shut-down corner. A lot of those routes he shut down five yards off the line of scrimmage. Do you expect to see more of him going forward?
4: This is what I'm liking about that Gus Bradley defense, JT. Mm -hmm. You go to the cornerbacks that were supposed to play in week one, and it's been a revolving door of guys just coming in and out, in and out, injuries, reserve COVID list. You go and see situations that usually don't happen in teams, and the Raiders have been able to be solid in that position. Heck, Yesterday, we saw Casey Hayward Jr. with Keyshawn Nixon and with Brent Desmond Trufant. And both of them, actually, Nixon and Trufant played very well. We didn't see Hobbs on the field for defense, only on special teams after being a week off due to being on the reserve COVID list. So Desmond Trufant, he shocked me. There was one play where I was thinking he got lucky on that one, that the pass wasn't good by luck. By luck. But besides that, he did a great job with this defense, and that's what we need in that Spot. We need depth. We need this team to be able to plug in a player in case of an an injury. And the Raiders have been very lucky that this Gus Bradley scheme has been easy to bring in former players of his like Trufant, like Casey Hayward Jr., Mm -hmm. like Perryman, like Faison, who have been able to provide the Raiders to be in a good spot defensively.
3: Harry Ruiz, great friend of the show, part of the Lotus Broadcasting team, the Spanish voice of the Silver and Black. We're going to play, after we wrap it up with you, the Rich Basaccia press conference. But Vinny Bonsignor reporting that Darren Waller, according to Rich Basaccia, there's some optimism he could be ready for walkthrough on Wednesday. The Raiders would like to get him a few days of practice before getting him on the field. I think that's critical. I don't want to talk, Harry, about him being a decoy. If he plays, he's, no, he's not a decoy. He's got to get targeted. But if they can get him on the field and just get Indy thinking about matching up about against him in their film study and their walkthroughs, that would be a tremendous benefit for the
4: Raiders. JT, if the Raiders did what they did on the ground in this game against uh, the Broncos without – Darren Waller can you imagine what they could do having Darren Waller on the field both on the ground and on the passing game I mean Josh Jacobs he had his biggest game of the season tied a personal best with 129 yards through the ground he ended up passing Marcus Allen in the most yards by a Raider on the ground in his first three seasons both of them 41 games in their first three years. Jacobs, 2,892 yards. Marcus Allen, 2,879. I'm not saying that Jacobs is better than Allen, but we need to have the running game be the spark that this offense needs and be able to have our defense fresh. So whenever they're on the field trying to stop the Colts, they're in a great spot to do it.
3: Harry, as we wrap it up, uh, we have you here. For a few more minutes, I got to look ahead. I'm not doing it with the listeners today and the callers because I want to wait till Indy tomorrow, but I want to take advantage of you right now. And I'm concerned that if they run the ball too much in Indy, the game could get away from them early. I I don't know, and I'm gonna have to work through this all week mentally because I like when Carr's throwing, and I think he can throw against Indy. Indy's got great linebackers. Leonard's one of the best I've seen in the last five years. Their secondary, I'm breaking it down all week long. They got guys in the secondary on COVID protocol. What are you sensing needs to happen in this indie game? Run or pass first?
4: Personally, I would go with the running game first if you're able to establish it. Because even looking at this game yesterday, less than 24 hours ago, they weren't able to do it until the second half. And that's why the offense in the first half was sluggish and they were only able to score points in one drive. So... In my opinion, it has to be the running game. You have to give them the vote of confidence of, okay, you were able to do a good job against the Broncos. Let's try and do it against the the Indianapolis Colts that are being hit again like so many other teams being in the reserve COVID list. And they have actually is uh, Leonard on the COVID list right now.
3: I have not seen him on the COVID list just yet. They have a bunch of other players, including T.J. Carey and others, and we'll report on that coming up here. There's a new – There was just one of their insiders just put out their full COVID list, so I'll have that here in a minute.
4: Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, every team in the Raiders, despite being hit in some sense, it's it hasn't been as bad as the other teams, so we got to give them props on that as well.
3: Yeah, safety Jaleel, uh, a day he's on there. T.J. Carey, who the Raider fans know. Malik Jefferson, the linebacker, running back Marlon Mack and tackle Brandon Smith are all on the COVID reserve, reserve list this week. So, you know, again, I'm I'm not using that as an excuse or saying the Raiders could win. We'll, we'll see how it affects the line, uh, the Vegas line, as a gambling bet coming up here. But that's going to be interesting to monitor this week. So, Harry, as we wrap this up, what is next now for a team where, as you know, we love Raider Nation, but a lot of fans bailed a couple of weeks ago. They bailed. I mean, they were gone I got the screenshot screenshotted a whole They were out, and I'm walking them all back now. I left a little crack in the back door of Allegiant Stadium for the Raider Nation to come back in inside. This fan base has got to have a hell of a week and get behind this game. It's do or die in Indy.
4: Absolutely. We've been through so much as Raider Nation these last two decades that – I'm disappointed that some people walk away with the team being at 500 or near 500 after that loss against the Chiefs. I'm like, we've been through far worse. And you have to understand what the Raiders have been through this season with the loss of their head coach, with the Henry Rugg situation, with the COVID restrictions that aren't as bad as last year. But you know that you still can't live life at 100% as you used to. So... You have to be a little bit conscious of what's going on. And this Raiders team right now, they're over 500. JT, we're going into January with the chance of making it into the playoffs. The right. Raider Nation, guys. We have to be together as a family. We have to support our team. Believe me, if they read positive things on social media from their fan base, they're going to go into work with that extra edge and being like, you know what? I want to prove them right instead of having to see people with negative thoughts and being like, you know what? I want to prove them wrong. Let's make them prove us right.
3: Harry, tell everyone where they can find you on social media, the videos of you showing emotion, calling the play-by-play. Where can we get all that?
4: Of course. Thanks, JT. On Twitter, you can find me at Harry Ruiz, H-A-R-R-Y-R-U-I-Z. On Instagram, Harry underscore Ruiz. I'm actually going home after I go hang out a bit with uh, Gorilla Rilla, with his wife and Rachel before they head out to Oakland. So after I'm done with that, then I'll go home and edit yesterday's videos.
3: Take care, buddy. See you next Monday.
4: Great talking to you, JT.
3: Harry Ruiz. I can't roll the tongue that way like him. So I just say Harry Ruiz. Ruiz. fantastic. Ruiz. There you go, Ruiz. Ruiz. Love that. All right, when we come back, Rich Passaccia's press conference. And we're going to take some calls, too. a matter of fact, Bobby says get to the calls now. That's fair. That's what we do here. Eric in Vegas. Thanks for waiting. Hello, Eric.
0: Hey, buddy. You know what? Six Two Raider victories in six days. How, how, what a way to celebrate Christmas. And I'll tell you what. When I heard your take, after the Raiders beat Cleveland, you're at the tavern. You are so passionate and so enthusiastic. I'm thinking, you, Mr. Calling Buddy, you could be the next Tony Robbins. You're a motivational speaker. You were so great with that. You got me excited, man. You got me dust to dawn and pouring Raider shots all night long. That was fantastic. <laughs> hey,
3: but, dust but, till dawn, and, and, and hey, dust till dawn. You've been with this team longer than I have. This is this is go time now. How could you not be motivated? How can you not be excited, Eric? 8-7, and seven with, with all the controversy and all the issues that surrounded this team, it's time to celebrate a great victory and still have a chance.
0: And, and you do that. Bring the voice in the Raiders. You bring guys like me that, that have missed one game in 40 years, and you bring back that passion. And it reminds us of the times with Stabler, and, you, and you're close to Politnikoff, and you know all the old guys. You're sitting there next to Eric Allen, had a great one with the Raiders and with Gruden's first uh, tenure. It, it, it's just a fantastic time. Ruiz, I can't, I, can't do, I can't roll my tongue like that, said it great. We're going into January with a chance to win, and I'll tell you what's going to solidify this. I'm with you, okay? we got to pass first. We got to go like Josh Allen does with the Bills, and he's a pass guy first. That's a pass first team, and then and throw in the run. It's great to have a guy like Jacobs. But if we could do this, and this is concerns me. I don't want to be a negative on this, JT, but it's a, mm. I'm going to turn it into a positive, and maybe I can jinx it. We're not really big on having defensive scores, and when I watch the games and I'm there, I'm saying – we need a pick six. I know you're thinking the same thing. We haven't had a pick six since Eric Harris did Phillip Rivers back in Oakland in 2000. Uh, I oh. think it was 2019, 2020. I'm sorry. So we could, if our defense can create turnovers, we're going to the playoffs. And I think it's going to happen. And I'll tell Thanks, you
1: what,
3: buddy. I'm done? Good. No, no, you're yeah, not done. I'm just saying. Thanks, buddy. You're right. Good to hear from yeah,
0: you. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, one more thing. I want I want to yeah. do a New Year's resolution. And when we do make the playoffs, I want to dedicate this playoff run to two guys that were really important to you and me, Black Hole, Rob Rivera, and Ricky Ricardo, because there's guys Mm -hmm. like us that go through the the Oakland L.A., Oakland tenure, and now we love the fact I live in Las Vegas. I'm so blessed, and you are, that, that our favorite team is here in the city that we live. But I think those two guys would love this kind of run that we're making.
3: Don't you? Absolutely. Thank you, buddy. Good talking to you, Eric. Thank you for checking in. Been there since the first run of the Gruden years. Uh, Yes, Ricky was very close. uh, Very close with Ricky. Rob Rivera, the founder, one of the founders of the Black Hole. I got a chance to spend time with his wife and two daughters a few days ago. That was really emotional. And every time I go to the Black Hole tailgate, there's a shot or there's a toast to Rob Rivera. Those guys will live on forever. They're unbelievable. And... You know, good buzz with some conversations about Ricky's and what a few of us have for a vision. I'll leave it at that. A vision for Ricky's legacy in Vegas. But that's going to take a lot of work. All right, let's keep it going. 702-365-9200. And we'll play Rich Passaccia's press conference. And then the great Mark Anderson will join us from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Coming up, Sam and Ash. My go-to injury attorneys, Sam and Ashley, you get two for one, two of the best attorneys in town. 702-820-1234. Samandashinjurylaw.com because you deserve what's right.
4: I, I've been noticing a lot lately, like the last the last few games, um, the second or third series, they kind of you can see them all the guys getting a rhythm, um, and we start running the ball and we start dominating. How I feel like we always could have. Um, I mean, just to see that growth and development, man, and, and see how I see every every day how they uh, work and things like that. Just to see them come out there and put it together and, and show the world what they're capable of. I mean, I think it's huge for them.
3: Josh Jacobs and this team's running game is packed. Oh, that's going to be a huge topic for at least me. we got a great lineup here on Raider Nation Radio. I don't know what everybody else is talking about, but I am concerned about the game plan for Indy. We will dive into that tomorrow. I'm not nervous. I'm not scared. You know me. That word never comes across, those two words. Not nervous and scared. I'm concerned about the game plan going up against Frank Reich in the Dome in Indy. I would go down swinging with Carr. Not the running game. I'd like to get the running game going, but I'd go Carr over Wentz. I'll take the odds at the craps table with Carr over Wentz, but Carr's got to deliver. He's got to play great. He's got to have an epic game. Rich Pisaccio, the head coach of the Raiders, just addressed the media in Henderson. Here it is.
1: Okay. Uh, afternoon, everybody. Um, Actually, no new injuries uh, to report or um, anything of that nature. So um, with that, I'll I'll answer any questions you may have.
4: Hey, Rich, it's Tashaun Reed from The Athletic. Uh, It it looks like the Colts had a few guys uh, go on their reserve COVID-19 list today. Uh, It looks like they might be in the midst of maybe an outbreak situation. Obviously, you guys (laughs) went against a team in the Browns in, in a similar setup are you kind of approaching it the same way, kind of just being prepared uh, for anything with that going on? Uh,
1: We are. Obviously, it looks like it's been going through a bunch of teams throughout the league. You know, we haven't been exempt from it, what happened to us last week, and uh, we're certainly expecting things to happen as the week goes on. The mentality we're going to have right now is everyone practices to play. You know, we went through it last week. I thought our guys did a a nice job with preparing to play, regardless of whether on the show team or the team. And um, we'll, we'll go through practice this week with the same mentality. I'm sure we'll get more news as the day goes on and into tomorrow, what some of our issues can be.
0: Rich, along those lines, uh, ha- have any of your players
5: uh, you know, gone on the COVID list today?
1: Well, I'm not really sure today. I'll usually get it about sometime 2 o'clock uh, after they've all gone through the testing protocol. I'll get it from our trainers about what our exact list is um, going into late this afternoon. We'll get that to you as soon as we get it.
2: Hey, Rich, um, you know, you've you've maintained uh, uh, one day at a time, one snap at a time, one game at a time philosophy, and there's only two games left, and you control your own destiny. Does that type of mentality, has that uh, kind of led to where you are right now by taking that one game, one snap, one day at a time?
1: Well, I I think um, our our players um, have... Bought into that, you know, right? It's it's really, we really just have one game, right? Now we, we have to get ready for the Colts. Obviously, we have to go on the road um, and prepare to play a game, you know, in a hostile environment against a really good football team. So our, our, our thoughts right now are about what's next. And um, they had a good day today of going through their, their workouts. I'll get with AJ about how that worked this afternoon. And then um, they'll have off tomorrow. I know some guys will come in and take care of business and we'll start our, our practice on Wednesday and, and see who we have participating in that. So, um, each week is a different team, as we've talked about before, so we'll be excited about the opportunity to uh, to play the Colts, and that's really all we're going to think about right now. Hey, Rich, this is Vic. A couple of injury questions. Uh, you mentioned last week that Darren Waller was kind of making tedious progress. Is that still trending upward uh, at this point? And also, is there, is there a Nick Morrow update? Um, well, the update on Waller is uh, I think it was a pretty good day today uh, from talking to those guys and, and from Darren, and so we're optimistic that he can be in practice on on Wednesday's walkthrough. If he can be in practice on Wednesday's walkthrough, then I think when I I meet with you guys again on Friday, we'll have a much better report. If he's not ready to go by Wednesday's walkthrough, but he can get through Thursday, then I, I think at this point, because he's missed so much time, I think we'd love to have two to three days of practice with him so he feels good about his ability to go in and compete, and we feel good about his ability to help us and compete. I think we've... We've kept him up to breast to this particular point going into last week's game, but I think now he'll have to kind of get himself to where he can practice and run around and run some routes and get some timing with Derek and be in position, body um, in the right position. So he feels comfortable, I think, as well as us feeling comfortable on offense that that he can help us. So I think I'll have a little bit more hopefully after Wednesday, and hopefully it's, it's positive.
4: Hey, Rich, I know uh, after the game last night, you said it looked like Derek Carr would be okay. Uh, When he spoke to us, saw it uh, after the game, he said he he didn't feel too good in terms of the chest injury. Just after a a day, and and I don't know if you had any tests or anything done today, but does it seem like he's in the clear coming off of that injury?
1: Well, yeah, what I I got from Chris today is I think he had – he didn't cough. When he was coughed, he felt like he was bothering a little bit. So what they ended up finding out was a rib. And uh, as of today, he, he's been fine. You know, he's been cleared to practice and, and all those things. So it, I know it came out as a chest contusion early. I think from talking to those guys today, it's a little bit more of a rib. Um, got banged in the rib and kind of he felt like he struggled to cough a little bit. And so we told him not to cough. And uh, hopefully he'll, um, he'll be better as we go. But as of right now, he, he's good to go.
2: Hey, Rich, how, how nice was it to see the defense really kind of step up and take over? And when the defense plays that way, how does that make everything else easier uh, for the rest of the team?
1: Yeah, that's, that's two weeks now, right? You know, back to back. And and um, I, I just think that their their energy in which they're playing with, their their, their ability to um, compete with relentless effort and chase the ball down from behind and, and come up with some big tackles like they've had. You saw guys coming out of the stack. Yannick came out and had the big tackle. And Max has a big tackle. And then Q gets a sack late. And Keyshawn Nixon... Uh, Chases the quarterback and makes that big tackle and saves it on third down And so I think that that became contagious for us and and um, not only certainly throughout the entire defense But certainly, you know our our offensive line I think caught it a little bit and gave us the opportunity to come out and and do a good job running the football So it's it's team-wide you know, and, and really when you have a a team that you think is going to improve every week. If the defense is struggling one, one game or, or one quarter, you'd love for the offense to pick them up. And if the offense struggles a little bit, right, you'd love for the for the defense to, to make a play and to pick them up. And then the kicking game is a little bit of the glue in there that right, holds us together. So um, it is contagious. Uh, I thought the energy was was great start to finish, even when we faltered a little bit offensively. I thought the defense picked us back up. And again, I thought we started the second half with a, a great drive running the football we, which gave us a little energy
0: as well. Coach, just to, to follow up on that, I mean, those wins are kind of like identity wins, right? When, when it's the offensive line, when it's the defense, it's doing what you want to do. Like, do those feel different the day after?
1: Uh, yeah. Again, I think we've talked about, you know, obviously winning a game, just everything everything in your body changes, right? Everything tastes better. Everything looks better. Um, and what we try to do as coaches and, as we've tried to work with our players, is is not let the win mask some of the problems, right? Mask some of the um, execution issues that that we had or places in which we can improve in all three phases of our game. So, But I think to be in a locker room after a win, uh, the feeling is certainly different than being in a locker room after a game uh, that you lose. So um, I think we're in a good place right now. Again, we had great attendance today. Guys were really good um, getting in here on time and, and doing their job. Uh, physically in the weight room and and uh we'll, we'll have the team meeting here in a minute just got done with special teams so um i'm, I'm expecting them to have a uh, enthusiastic practice come wednesday
0: rich uh josh had mentioned yesterday that uh, kind of at halftime going into that third quarter he was in the coach's ears in your you guys ears to get on the ball let him roll uh, give him the rock uh, when somebody comes to you with that kind of you know energy uh, is it is it worth eating a little bit every once in a while when a player comes to you in that kind of manner
1: you know, Josh does that all the time. He, he, wants, he wants the ball every play. And uh, so every time he comes off, he wants the ball. Every time he goes on, he wants the ball. You know, that's what great players do, right? They all want the football. And Deshaun Jackson's in there, he wants the ball. And Hunter, he wants the ball. And Foster, you know, everybody wants the ball. So um, I think we had a mentality coming out at halftime. I, I thought Greg and, uh, did a great job with, you know, the plan of running the football and what he wanted to do to start the second half. And I, th- I thought you saw us play a little bit better up front. Um, but also, we, I, I thought we moved the ball up and down the field early in the game, you know, and, and we had a poor execution right there before the end of the half on, on, that, on a play that, you know, cost us. But I thought we came back again and we started the, the second half with a great drive. And, um, you know, I think all great players want the ball. Um, I think it's easy to say after, you know, you played pretty well is I want the ball, make sure you give me the ball kind of deal. So, um, you know, I, I don't remember him actually coming to me. He did say it to me on the sideline about six or seven times. But, uh, yeah, I, I think all, players want, all great players want the ball rich uh, yesterday was uh, denzel's first game back i'm wondering um uh, what has he brought to the mix overall this season what's been his impact uh, this season well yeah denzel is just a you know he's the ever ready bunny he's got great you know great presence on the field about him when he's in there calling the defenses for us i think he gives us a great sense of confidence um that it's going to all everyone's going to line up right if they don't he'll get you lined up and then he's a He's a big tackler. You know, he makes a lot of plays. I think before he got his knickknack, he was either second or tied for the lead tackles in the National Football League. Um, We're we're excited to have him back, and and hopefully it'll continue. I I know he really prepares well. He prepared well these past two weeks when he wasn't playing or didn't know if he was going to play, and you saw when he got in there that he didn't really have any issues lining up or getting everybody lined up and really gave us some energy out there. All right. Thank you,
0: Coach.
3: Okay. Thank you, guys. All right, so there's Rich Passaccia, excited about that. He had a lot to say. He has a lot to say. Good questions by the media there. We got some encouraging words about Darren Waller. So I don't want to go too far ahead. We wait till the injury report comes out, what happens Wednesday, walkthroughs and all that. Darren doesn't need to practice a lot, but I would say now he probably needs a little bit of practice to get back out there to show, you know, get his cardio back and to do all that coming off this injury. So I'm hoping... I'm hoping that we see Waller coming up later this week. I think that could be the difference in a win or loss is Darren Waller. When we come back, we'll get to Mark Anderson, who will join us from the Review Journal. We'll talk to him about what's happening in Vegas, the Raiders win, the Las Vegas Bowl going forward, UNLV Hoops. He joins us every two weeks. We're excited about that, and I'm excited. I'm getting a lot of text messages, calls from friends who are excited about the Raiders being alive. Raiders aren't in the playoffs yet. This this organization wants to win championships, but you got to win two more regular season games to get into the dance.
5: It's incredible. Those two are the best to ever play, especially
0: for the Raiders. And so, you know, um, it's an honor uh, to be mentioned with those guys. Uh, I still it, – it's not about that. It's about winning games for sure, but um, Derek's done a great job of giving me the ball this year, and um, the offensive line has done a great job of, of stepping up and you know, letting them get the ball to me. So, um, I don't know. It's, it's cool, but let's see how we finish this thing out.
3: Hunter Renfro, what a year he's had. One of the great years in Raider history. And I often talk to Fred Belitnikoff, the Hall of Famer, often. I talk to Fred almost every day. It's a blessing in my life. And we talk a lot about Hunter Renfro. And Fred Belitnikoff, who's tied in deeply with the history of this team, the owner, uh, formerly Al Davis, his son. Everybody that we talk football about is really happy to be associated with this kid, Hunter Renfro. He has those roots in Raider history for a young player. That is Great. That is fantastic. Renfro is the real deal. So is Mark Anderson, long-term columnist at the Review Journal, one of the most respected columnists in town. And, Mark, jump in, eight and seven for the Raiders. We talk to you every couple weeks. It was doom and gloom with some fans about a month ago here, and they've
5: turned it around. How do you see it? I forget A month ago, how about our last conversation two weeks ago? <laughs> you yeah. know? I mean, I, I thought they were done. I, I really did. Uh, after that loss to the Chiefs, I thought, this, well, this team has no chance now. Um, but, yeah, give them credit. You know, they they, they went and, and won games they needed to win. They got some help. And now the combination of the two, they, they control their own destiny. And it, with two weeks to go into the season, that's really all you can ask for. So um, it's a team that could have fallen apart, and it looks like it was falling apart. So even if they don't win out, um, I give them a lot of credit for at least getting to this point.
3: I agree. That's a good way of looking at it. You're, you're very transparent. A lot of people didn't think after the Kansas City losses, both of them, that this team had the ability to be in this position. Do you like the passing game more or the running game? It is going to be a divisive topic this week. Do you go down in the last game of the year with two left, the game you have to win? Do you run it because you had recent success where they haven't had much of any all year? Or do you throw it and put the season on cars back?
5: I think, I think the, I think it's going to come down to Derek Carr. Uh, if he, if he can go out there and, and, and have a really good game, I think that gives him a chance to win at Indianapolis. Uh, I, I, you have to be encouraged by what Josh Jacobs did in the second half, but I kind of want to see if he can build on that. I'm not convinced, you know, he, he, he struggled until that game. Maybe, maybe now he's just getting healthy. I don't know, but, uh, you know, but and maybe it is the start, but right now going in, I would say if, if they're going to win that game, Derek Carr is going to have to play really well. Um, and if he does play well, that will help Josh Jacobs and, and the rest of the running game.
3: Mark Anderson is our guest. So, Mark, I want to talk about this Las Vegas Bowl. You know the work that John Sassenti and his team does behind the scenes. I think it's imperative because outside schools and ADs and because of COVID, a lot of schools just don't want to travel now. There are players that want to bail out because they want to opt out. There's COVID issues, and a lot of fans don't want to travel. And this is a big game at Allegiant Stadium, and they've worked their tail off all year. How important is it for the Vegas community heading into New Year's Eve to go to this game later in the week and show local support here in Vegas so we
5: get more and more of these games? Yeah, I I think – I don't know that that's really a huge deal. They already they already got a quite a good amount of local support just from ticket sales going into this game even before the two teams are announced. They sold a lot of tickets. Um, you might be right, though. People might be a little nervous about sh- actually showing up. So I can see that being an issue. But I think people generally understand that these are unusual times. Uh, and you had two bowl games yesterday that got canceled. Uh, so if they play this game... Thursday, and I think they will. Both teams are in town, so I think you would have heard something by now yeah. if they weren't going to play. Um, then you know, I think you know, I think I know. I know when the the game, the teams were announced, they were hoping for a sellout, but I do think people are nervous about traveling now, and and so I, I think whatever they can do in that building, I think it's good. I, yeah. I, I don't. I, I still think they're going to draw a pretty good crowd. It's all um, yeah, so I, I think it's, I think it's going to be fine, and. You know, and next year you get an SEC team in here against the Pac-12, and, and then maybe you'll have a a big-time matchup, and they can definitely sell that out and we'll be past all this COVID stuff, or at least to the point where you're not worried about rescheduling games anymore or having games canceled or anything like that.
3: Mark Anderson joins us every two weeks on Monday. Mark, for our listeners, especially in Vegas that haven't been to UNLV basketball just yet, I went to the game at T-Mobile. Uh, tell us what to look forward with this team, the job that Kevin Kruger's doing how, what is the upside, the ceiling for this team as they get ready for conference play?
5: Well, I I still wonder if they have a good enough offense. But having said that, they've won four games in a row by double digit points. And Now they're, those are all four opponents they they should beaten. Uh, you know they were favorites in each game, but they are getting better, and that's what you look for. And so, you know, they get San Diego State coming in here on New Year's Day. I I think they got a shot in that game. I you know I, I if you know we can win that game. Um, that would be a great start to Mountain West play, and maybe maybe really get them going. They have a good enough defense to keep them in that game, I think. Uh, and and their offense, I'm still, their offense still isn't consistent enough. I I don't think. Uh, but they do have games where they they seem to, to get it together, and maybe they'll they'll that will be one of those games where the offense does just enough, and 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 they can find a way to win, and or at least find a way to compete. You know, uh, and 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 make it a close game, and and. Have have that to build on. I don't think they're going to get blown out by San Diego State. Um, I think I do think they're. I think it's, it will be a fairly competitive game, maybe a very competitive game. Uh, but you know, I I don't see UNLV at this point really being a mountain less contender. Mm. Um, but they are getting better, and so who knows? Who knows? Another month or so, I might have a different opinion.
3: Mark Anderson, last one. Our last conversation until next year. You know, it was a COVID year for sports, but I think a very important year for Las Vegas. Las Vegas did an amazing job with the Golden Knights, the Raiders, the first year with fans at Allegiant Stadium. Golden Knights making another deep playoff run, a coaching change. We get our guy, Kevin Kruger in here, Lon Sun, which I'm all over. And then, you know, just sports in general, Mark, put a bow on it for us on how Vegas has grown to a global sports town. It was always the entertainment capital of the world, but now with boxing and heavyweight fights that we've always had on top of hockey and the Raiders here in town, it's a special time to be living in Vegas. How do you wrap
5: up this year? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, this is one of the, you know this is one of the, the, the most incredible years in Las Vegas sports history, and it's easy to kind of forget that, you know. Mm-hmm. But sec you know, the NFL having fans in in the allegiance this year for the NFL was just phenomenal. Um, you know, the Golden Knights look like they're getting to, getting back to the point where they're a real Stanley Cup contender mm. again. Uh, you know, you now you talk about the A's; are talking about maybe moving here. We'll see about that. I, don't, I hope they're not using Las Vegas as leverage, but that's a very very real possibility. The NBA's been talked about for a long time, and then you look ahead to this next next year. I mean, just just the first weekend, of, I think it was the first weekend February alone of four consecutive days. You've got the East West Shrine Game. Uh, the NHL All Star Weekend and the Pro Bowl—that's mm-hmm. incredible. <laughs> yeah, incredible. I, I mean that really is incredible. And then later in the year you got Notre Dame coming here to play BYU. I mean it's it's just amazing. So it's it's, it's I, I think it's as uh, good as great a sports year as this year is. I think 2022. If you know this is all with the caveat that you know we don't know what COVID's going to do, but it ha- I think it has a chance to be even better.
3: You got it, Mark. Happy New Year! Thanks for everything you've done for us this year. We greatly appreciate you and your friendship. Yeah, same to you, JT. I always appreciate you having me on on your show. You got it. Mark Anderson, appreciate that. He's right about this year in Vegas and how tremendous it's been. For those who travel and listen to us from out of town, we greatly appreciate you streaming the show. We We do not have a radio show without this streaming device. We don't. Not the one I would do. I wouldn't do one unless we had it global like this. This is huge. This was a big year for us and our partners and everybody because we had that stream. At LV Sports Network, and we have that stream on top of the power of Lotus, uh, the biggest name in town when it comes to sports broadcasting. So I'm very, very thankful for that. I can't thank you enough. I do thank everybody I can when I see them in person, and I get a chance to see out at a lot of events, including at Allegiant Stadium. Adrian Ward Janowski reporting, the lead writer for the NBA. The CDC is shortening the isolation period for people who test positive for COVID from 10 days to five. Wow. So that is breaking news in the NBA. Because of the Omicron variant, what they're doing now is if instead of isolating for 10 days, it could be 5, but remember in these sports leagues you cannot play if you test positive. So if you're vaccinated and you test negative quickly, like I think there's a lot of people out there walking around who are probably positive that don't know it cuz they're asymptomatic, but if you go get tested and you find out you're positive, if you're vaccinated, you get your booster, maybe it'll only be two or three days until you test negative again. When you got guys like Cole Beasley and other players around the sport who cannot test. And the NBA is basically saying now, look, we don't want to know if you have any symptoms. Football's basically saying this. But COVID protocol is still very seriously. It's very serious as these numbers are alarming. I'm from New York. I watch the news, read the New York Times. I read the Daily News. I read the New York Post. I'm not politically triggered by a newspaper. I can read a newspaper and get for my own opinions. New York's under siege. Imagine being the Knicks, Brooklyn, Giants, and Jets. All these teams are dealing with this now. It's really difficult back there. All right, let's keep the phones going. Appreciate everybody today. Phones are outstanding for most of the days. Mitch in Jersey. Thanks for waiting through the interviews. Go ahead, Mitch.
2: J.J., uh, happy new year. Good you too. Show. I say this is the best uh, defensive stand I've seen with the Raiders in quite some time. They shut down a good running game. They got to uh, a full test uh, n- test next week. If mm-hmm. you stop uh, Taylor, I think we got another victory. And too bad I think uh, Jamal Russell didn't uh, – not Jamal Russell, I'm sorry. I'll back up Corbett, But Derek Carr, he's a trooper. He's tough. He's going to stick it out the rest of the season. Yeah, appreciate
3: the call. call. Thanks for checking in. Happy New Year to you, Mitch. I like the way Carr fights. I like the way Carr fights. Again, I'm not being critical of Derek. I'm just running a sports talk show. Got to see Derek have a big game down the stretch. There hasn't been a big game since Dallas. And that Dallas game with 26 penalties combined. So if everybody says that was a great game, that was not a great game. It was an exciting game because a lot of points were scored and the Raiders won in overtime on the Carlson walk-off. But that game had a lot of penalties was Sloppy, but Derek made all the big throws when he had to. And Derek made the last two touchdowns that Derek has thrown. I mean, the touchdown to Edwards in Cleveland and the touchdown to Renfro in this game was fabulous. That should give Derek all the confidence in the world to attack the end zone, and hopefully Darren Waller is back. You know, I live a dream every Sunday or Monday, whenever the Raiders play, that I get a chance to work with Brent Musburger and Lincoln Kennedy on the pre- and post-game and this was an exciting one as my kids were in the Medello lounge we were waiting to get the post game show from Brent Musburger and here's how we wrapped up the Raider game yesterday. JT have you settled down lad with all of our Raider fans today? Brent, I must have walked by two or three hundred Denver fans and said, "Where you going? The postgame show, go. Where you going to Celine Dion? And Del's not here for weeks. Where you going? It's back-to-back years of a sweep. Let me remind the Denver listeners around the globe." Back-to-back years in Allegiant Stadium and in Denver, swept twice. Go home. We thank you for spending your money here. Please come back again next year for the triple sweep. Brent, I'm ready to go. The postgame show's ready. What a send-off by JT. Just what I wanted for all these Bronco fans. He and Eric will be coming up with the postgame show. That was it yesterday. So that was fun to hear that. And the background noise was the speakers in the Medello Lounge as it was packed and the sounds coming back and forth. And it's nice, you know, going back to the West Side Club days for those who were in Oakland. And we loved the years in Oakland. Didn't like them, loved the years in Oakland. And I always would go after a game, after the post game show, or when I wasn't even on the post game show a few years, and have a cerveza at the bar and kick back with some friends, and they'd always make you leave. It was always like, hey, man, you got like five minutes. And I'd be like, what are you talking about? This is Oakland. It's like, what do you mean I have to leave in five minutes? The Raiders just won. You know, last call, last call. Modelo Club Twitch, they give you an hour, I think. An hour. You don't have to race out of the game. Vegas will still be there for you, Raider Nation. Come on by and say hi on the postgame show. And uh, do that. Have a good time. Have some fun. Uh, stick around for a little bit. Chris and West Oakland. I didn't know you were there, Chris. Go ahead,
2: wrap it up. Dad, just got out of practice, JT. Haven't heard anything. But favorite part of Brent Busburger's final call yesterday, he let everybody know the Raiders exceeded their 7.5 win total, and a lot of happy <laughs> Raider fans would be cashing tickets. That's why I love Brent Musberger. Um, Real quick, I'm gonna, we'll talk about the Colts coming up. Listen, I said on the postgame show – it was an ugly win yesterday, but a W is a W. Bottom line is it's set up for two games with the rest of the season on the line. Basically, we're in the playoffs now. Win and we get to be in the tournament at the end of the year. We've been there before. I hope this team figures it out and they they straighten it up. I believe they made it a lot tougher than yesterday. I don't think it had to be 17-13. I think they could have put 28 or 30 points on the board, but I'm not going to bitch because we came out of it with a W. They will have to play better against Indy, but as I close this, my call yesterday on the post game jt after all the turmoil tragedy and dysfunction of this season to be going into january with our fate still in our own hands i don't know that we could have asked much more than that i'll call you more about the the colts game what i think they need to do coming up um thanks for letting me get in here yep. before you're done and uh, talk to you later my friend
3: you got it and remember i'm on every night sunday to thursday night on mad dog you should all have serious xm it's real cheap it's real easy and it's fantastic. And you can catch me from 7 to 10 and get some Raider National calls in. Hear from some Raider fans around the globe. That's what I want to hear. Thanks to Bobby for putting the show together. Harry Ruiz was great. Mark Anderson. And now tomorrow we're trying to book shows and have an Indie edge. Uh, Indy is listening. Raider Nation have a big week here on the flagship. It's an important week. As the Raiders are alive at 8 and 7. Looking to go 9 and 7 and hopefully jump the Colts. That'll be our focus the rest of the week. Have a great day.